This is Speaking Freely with the ACLU of Pennsylvania. I'm Andy Hoover, your host and Director of Communications at the ACLU of PA. Today we are talking about cash bail. You're probably familiar with the concept. When a person is accused of a crime, a judge determines if and how much a person must pay to be released from detention. Effectively, cash bail criminalizes poverty. A person's detention before conviction is not based on any public safety threat or flight risk necessarily, but on their ability to pay. A rich person who is accused of the most serious felony can pay thousands of dollars to be released, while a person who lives in poverty might be stuck in jail simply because they can't come up with a few hundred bucks. For this episode, I talked with Malik Neal, co-founder and director of the Philadelphia Bail Fund. Malik makes the case for ending cash bail and what the COVID-19 pandemic has revealed about the criminal legal system. This conversation was recorded on May 7th. At the start of our discussion, I asked Malik to describe the mission and work of the Philadelphia Bail Fund. Yeah, so the the Philadelphia Bail Fund began roughly three years ago. Uh, And we began with a very simple belief, uh, really, that, that freedom should be free. And what I mean by that is that, you know, every single day, our system sends people to jail, um, inflicting enormous brutality on, on, on people's bodies, their minds, and their families. And our system does it not because a person's been convicted of a crime, but merely because they can't afford to pay bail. And so our mission with the Philadelphia Bail Fund is really to try to combat this system every day. And we like to say that we try to work to put ourselves out of business in the sense that we want to fight for a world where we don't need to exist. And I should say, I mean, that means ending cash bail and pretrial punishment in Philadelphia. That's really our our main goal. And we do that in two ways. I mean, the first is providing direct bail assistance to uh, people. And so far we've bailed out since since we paid our first bail, uh, about 300 people. But we know that we can't bail out everyone in the city of Philadelphia. And so our second sort of approach is advocacy. So advocating leaders here in Philadelphia and also spreading broader public awareness about the need to really make meaningful change. And, you know, our work as a bail fund doesn't end until, you know, freedom is no longer for sale. And so that's really our mission and what we do. So we're going to talk a little bit about what you've been seeing in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic. But I want you to take the opportunity to make your pitch. What, why is cash bail so problematic? Yeah, I think the way I like to think of it is I think people resonate more with concrete examples. And so I often like mm-hmm. to think, you know, you take two people who've been um, arrested on the same charge, uh, given the same amount of cash bail, for example, and ultimately what determines who gets to be released and go with their family and who goes to jail is really one thing, and that's money. And when you have a system like that, that is based on money, it's bound to impact certain people, which are people who are poor. And we know um, in Philadelphia and across the country, that is mainly, it's mainly going to target black and brown people, right? But it's also, you know, when I was younger, we learned all about the presumption of innocence and all those things. And really cash bail kind of turns that on its head, right? Because you have people who have not been convicted have not gone to trial who are sitting in jail. And I think the problem is, is that we know that jail in of itself 
inflicts enormous violence on people, but also that there's a lot of collateral consequences. People can lose their jobs, lose custody of their children, lose their housing. And so overall, the cash bail system criminalizes poverty. And because of who it directly and disproportionately targets, it criminalizes race as well. Um, and so, yeah, I think we have to, and I know we've been doing a lot of this in Philly, but I think across the country have to in this system that holds families and people ransom just because of their inability to pay. This was a problem even before the pandemic and that the pandemic adds another layer of issues. And I, I've noticed that on your website, you've been posting the daily numbers, uh, daily or weekly, um, from week to week, uh, who, how many, uh, not who, but how many cash bail hearings, uh, bail hearings there are, who's getting cash bail in terms of, you know, people who are represented by a public defender versus those who aren't. And when you look at those numbers, what are they telling you about what's been happening the last eight weeks? Yeah, I think one of the things that's really interesting, right, is, you know, jails have always had deplorable conditions. I don't think that's a really outrageous statement to make. But now with the pandemic, those conditions have worsened considerably and really sending someone to jail could be a potential death sentence when you look at this pandemic um, and the effects it has. And so one would think, given that, that we would see a significant decrease in the amount of bail being set. But what we've been tracking here in Philly is that we're still seeing bail set pretty high, um, in some cases higher than what it normally would be. The fact still remains that a good amount of those people, uh, sometimes it's 80%, sometimes it's 90%, have a public defender, which means their ability to pay is certainly uh, less likely. I think the overall takeaway is that the system itself is still operating in its usual way in the sense that it's still penalizing people for their poverty and sending folks to jail as a result. But I think we are seeing less people overall go through the system, but I think the system itself um, is still operating as usual, which is deeply problematic. Well, numbers are down in and, and I, under, I know the courts have had some limited operation as well. Mm -hmm. Police, at least until recently, had a policy where they were de-emphasizing arrest. But what you're seeing is when people do end up in front of a judge or a magistrate, when they do have a bail hearing, there's still a large percentage of those folks getting cash bail orders, right? Exactly. Yeah. And one of the things for the Philly Bail Fund, we really monitor the the bail hearings because that's where we bail out a lot of people. And so, since this pandemic, we've bailed out. Um, I want to say overall, we bailed out about 130 people since this pandemic started. Uh, but from bail hearings themselves, we bailed out about 60 people. And I would say the lowest we've paid is $700. Um, and so the fact that we have to pay $700 to make sure so someone doesn't have to go to jail, given the conditions in the jail, is pretty, pretty outrageous. I know you talk with loved ones of people who are inside. When, when you talk with folks, either people who are incarcerated in the jails or their loved ones, what are they telling you? You know, how, where are people right now in terms of their feelings about the situation in jails? Yeah, I think the one thing that's really come up is just fear. I think a lot of people are afraid about what's happening. I think in Philadelphia in particular, there's a lack of information about what actually is going on in the jails. And so I think people are, are deeply afraid. And I was talking with one lady whose husband is currently uh, in the jails and, and she just said, you know, he doesn't deserve to die in there, you know? And I think that concern 
is one that I'm hearing a lot um, that, you know, right now in the jails have, the whole jails are on lockdown. And so some, I was speaking with a lady yesterday, hasn't spoken to her boyfriend since mid-April. Um, and so I think there's this, this great fear because everyone knows the conditions in the jail are deplorable but also fear of the unknown in the sense of what actually is happening. And I don't think the Philadelphia jails have been particularly forthcoming with information, but I mean, we're hearing people not having soap, particularly at the detention center, one of our jails, you know, people sleeping in, in dorm style settings where there's 20 and 30 people, the mass not really working. And so I think people are, are genuinely afraid. And given that we don't know a lot and we haven't gotten a little a lot of information that seems completely uh, justifiable given the circumstances. And lockdown presents a whole another dynamic where that puts a strain on people. When you say lockdown, can you just kind of give a description of like, what does that mean for someone day to day? Yeah. So in Philadelphia, from what I'm hearing is people are in their cells all day for, they get 15 minutes out in Philadelphia. That's the last I heard. And so for all the rest of the time, um, the 23 hours and uh, 45 minutes, I guess, um, you're in your cell. You're not getting a chance to recreate. You're not really able to do a lot of things that you normally would do. I mean, I think one person told me recently, the conditions are very much similar to being in death row, uh, where you're not really allowed to get much human contact and you're just stuck in your, your cell for that entire time. What do you think the pandemic is revealing about problems in the criminal legal system? Yeah, I think one of the things, and it's really interesting, for a long time, advocates and folks working uh, within, to really to try to change a system have been pushing for changes. And I think one of the things that is interesting is the COVID situation has, at least in my view, has really revealed just how unnecessary a lot of the things are that we've been doing, right? You know, for a long time, you know, when I was younger, and there's probably some people that's still out there to think that you think that the people who we arrest, the people who are going to jail, you know, are there because they've, you know, committed crimes, right? And the question is really, you know, how do we define crime and how do we, what do we determine is worthy of being arrested on, right? And so for one of the things we found with this COVID situation is, in Philadelphia, for example, the police decided we're not going to arrest on certain charges. And I think it's interesting because I think what it reveals is that what we do, who we arrest, who we prosecute, who we punish, in many ways are political choices, right? And I just think it's fascinating that advocates have been pushing for things like this for a long time. And suddenly with this, you know, snap of the fingers, the police decide they're not going to do that. Now, they're now pushing toward going back to that. But I just think it's very interesting because it reveals that what we've been doing, we don't necessarily have to do. But I also think it reveals limitations as well. You know, we've been pushing for radical change for some time, the bail fund and other members of the coalition. And you would think with a deadly pandemic that we're dealing with, if there's any time to make radical changes, it would be now. And so my only concern is, you know, if we were not getting these changes now, when will we? And so I don't have the answer to that, but it's certainly something I've been reflecting on in the sense of uh, in this 
environment we're in, this bipartisan sort of support for criminal justice and things like that, I think the pandemic has really, at least for me, revealed just how far we really have to go. Yeah, that's really good insight. I mean, uh, both, both your points, which are number one, the fact that we could just do some of these things, get more people out, arrest less people this quickly, shows that we could have done it all along. And I, I don't want to discourage people's um, energy for reform, but you're right. Like, if the political will isn't there in this moment, when will it be? Mm-hmm. So to that point, though, about you know the fact that there has been um, push for reform for, for a while. District Attorney Larry Krasner had announced that they were not going to ask for, um, for bail on certain charges. I know that's had some mixed results. Um, the ACLU of Pennsylvania has a lawsuit um, asking the Pennsylvania Supreme Court to enforce the rules of criminal procedure in the Philadelphia courts, in which the courts are supposed to defer away from cash bail. Um, from where you sit, from the work you do, what is the state of reform? Are we making progress? Yeah, it's a really good question. I get that a lot. And I think one of the things I often do, which I've always told not to do, is to answer a, a question with more questions. Um, but I think for me, it's, you know, how are we defining reform and at what pace do we think is acceptable, right? As you mentioned, the district attorney in Philadelphia did announce this new bail policy where I think for about over 20 charges, his office would not request cash bail. And there was a study that was done and it revealed two things. One is that we we made these changes and there was no increase in recidivism or in failures to appear to court. And I think also it increased the number of people who were released pre-trial. But the independent study also said that it did not overall change the rate of pre-trial detention in Philadelphia. While I think we have certainly increased the um, the amount of people who are not in jail on bail, I still think we have a long ways to go toward fundamentally changing the system. And I think it's really important as we try to move forward on bail that we have to kind of distinguish between, I guess, minor changes and big ones uh, or sort of small tweaks as opposed to sort of substantial fundamental change. And I think we still have ways to go for that in Philly. Hopefully the ACLU's lawsuit can move us more in that direction, but I think right now uh, we still have some ways to go. So pandemic or not, we will keep fighting for reform. I, I don't want to suggest that, um, that you know, but like we were speaking a few minutes ago about the fact that there's been resistance even in a pandemic. You know, the work goes on once this public emergency is over. So with that in mind, what do you think is the path forward? How do we get to the reform that we're advocating for? Yeah, I think from the bail fund standpoint, one of the things that we have found helpful is I think there needs to be greater public awareness. I think there needs to be greater um, disruption of the status quo. And I think the path forward, at least in my estimation, is really one of um, political will and courage. You know, the ACLU's lawsuit touches on this, but it's very clear that the current system is unconstitutional according to the Pennsylvania Constitution. So every day we're, um, you know, illegally jailing people. And so I think it's pretty clear what is the right thing to do. 
that we shouldn't be requesting and setting bail um, and that poverty shouldn't be a crime. And so I think the path forward in terms of what we need to do is there, but I think ultimately it's going to take uh, more public pressure and, and, you know, it's the way change always happens. Um, that change happens from people getting out there and, and, and making sure that their voices are heard loud and clear. But I also think, and this is something I've often thought about, um, is as we make changes in our system, right, I think the system is so addicted to doing what it does that we just have to be careful that a no cash bail system doesn't, that we, end, well, I should say that we end cash bail, but we still have a lot of people being detained, right? And so, for example, years ago, probably before I was born, you know, we were saying, you know, we got mass incarceration is a problem and, you know, we need to make changes. And the system's response was electronic monitoring, right, for a lot of people. And so even though, you know, we thought we had addressed the problem, we actually created another one. And the only thing I think we have to be careful about, and this is why I think monitoring is very important, is that we have to be vigilant and make sure that with these changes that they result and release of a lot of people who shouldn't be there anyway, just because they can't afford to pay their bail. You've implied this over the course of our conversation, but I just want to ask you more directly. Have you adjusted your thinking at all about the issue because of the pandemic? Like, is your thinking different now than it was eight weeks ago? Yeah, that's a good question. I think if anything, this pandemic has made the issues and the the causes that we've been fighting for even more urgent you know for a long time we've been calling for ending cash bail and but i think now the stakes are even higher for someone who is held on bail and sent to jail so i think if anything it's made the the push more urgent but as i mentioned earlier it also has made me realize that we still have a lot of work to do both in terms of educating the public, but also pushing our leaders to do the right thing. There will, there will certainly be people outside of Philadelphia listening to this or watching this. And I know there are bail funds in Pittsburgh. There's one in Dauphin County. Any good advice for someone who's really interested in this issue? Maybe they don't live in Philadelphia, but this is something they're really passionate about, they're interested in. How, how do you go about um, getting something like this started in your own county? Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing is just depending on sort of your experiences and and where you're coming from, I think the first thing is sort of just broadly education, political education. And so one of the things that the Philly Bail Fund does is we run a court watch program. And the main purpose of that, I mean, because we can gather the data and things like that, but I mean, the main purpose is really to educate the public about what's happening. I often say all the time that whenever someone is, in a criminal case, it's always the Commonwealth versus this person, right? And so in a way, every time that's happening, it's being done in, in our name, the public, you know, uh, the people within that place. And so I think it's important that folks have some public awareness. And I would suggest going to, I mean, probably not now because of the pandemic, but um, I was going to say going to sit in on bail hearings and, and trying to see how that works. I think generally for us, people have been amazed that these hearings that last on average, you know, less than three minutes have, have such a drastic consequence for people and an impact on their lives. 
and so I think political education is is really important. Um, and if there are groups within your area working on decarceration efforts, I think getting involved in that would be helpful. So if someone's listening to this is interested in the Philadelphia Bail Fund, where can they go for more information? Yeah, you can check us out at phillybailfund.org. Uh, we're also on Twitter at phillybailfund. And I'm happy to answer any questions. I know I'm in touch with some folks in Lehigh County to try to see what they can do there. But yeah, check out our website and uh, happy to talk to anyone. All right, Malik. Well, thanks. Appreciate your time. And, and more importantly, really appreciate your work. You, you're all doing great work. And um, it's great being a partner with you. Great. Thanks. Thank you to Malik Neal for his time and for his insights. Check out the Philadelphia Bail Fund at phillybailfund.org. If you enjoy speaking freely, be sure to rate us on your podcast app of choice. That's how people find the show. Also, to keep updated on how ACLUPA is responding to the COVID-19 pandemic, check out our website at aclupa.org slash COVID-19. And, of course, you can follow us on the various social media platforms. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube with the handle ACLUPA. That's a wrap on episode 43. The editor of Speaking Freely is Amy Giacomucci. Our music is from bensound.com. The executive director of the ACLU of Pennsylvania is Reggie Shuford. I'm Andy Hoover, the host, writer, and director of this podcast. Until next time, be healthy and be free.